are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. we got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about Caitlin appearing on the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast and the interesting things she had to say there. Oh, the fact that everyone is absolutely losing their shit over the fact that Rachel and Clayton are in the same room. Guess we have to talk about that. We're going to talk about the weather out here in Dallas. Yikes. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, spoilers. Then we're going to talk the challenge last night, an epic episode, special forces, and maybe get to some pop culture news regarding Jessica Simpson. And uh, we'll get to that momentarily. As you know, this podcast brought to you by Trivia Star. It has thousands of five-star reviews in Apple stores, the number one trivia game in the App Store. Download it today to challenge yourself. Go to the Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Download Trivia Star for free today and get ready to flex your brain muscles. Also, if you love the Real Housewives, then get ready for some Real House guys because Friday nights on MTV are getting fabulous. Don't miss the Real Friends of WeHo, all part of MTV's new Friday nights. It's after RuPaul's Drag Race tomorrow night, 9, 8 central on MTV. All right, so let's start out with this Caitlyn podcast that she did with the uh, Not Skinny But Not Fat. Uh, Amanda is the host of that podcast. Amanda Hirsch is her name. Caitlyn covered a lot of topics. I think this is stuff that she's like hit on here and there. But again, when she puts it all in one podcast, it is some good content uh, to go over. One thing that I thought was interesting, and this is, I guess, is something more on Jason, is, you know, Caitlin was talking about when she was on Chris Soul's season, and she said, look, I don't think uh, I was in love with Chris, that she was more in love with, you know, maybe the competition of it all and just wrapped up in the environment. But when she talks to Jason about it and she asks Jason, were you actually in love with Becca? Jason says, yeah, he was. You know, back then, obviously, he's in love with Caitlyn now. But even that, to me, is like, I to me, that doesn't make sense. Because, as we know, first off, Jason wasn't even chosen by Becca. And two, we know how little time the contestants get with the lead. So... Unless he's talking about levels of love here, because clearly he's been with Caitlyn, what, two, three years? I'm sure he's in love with Caitlyn. How can he say he was in love with Becca? I think he maybe was, you know, we we always talk about this every season. I could see myself falling in love with them. I love this, them as a person. But could Jason really have been in love with Becca during that time of filming? It's hard to believe because he's in love with Caitlyn now, and I can't imagine it's the same thing. So if he was in love with Becca, it's got to be on a level way smaller than what he has at with Caitlyn right now, right? It's just very hard to believe. Anybody, you talk to people who were on this show and who came off it in a relationship, and they'll tell you, well, I don't know if I was really in love with them because I barely knew them. And Jason is someone who didn't even win. He didn't even get to the final two. So how could he have been in love with Becca? I'm sure he was in love with the idea of Becca and in love with the idea of possibly falling in love with Becca. But to say he was in love with Becca, look, I would love to ask Jason that question and just be like, but Jason, you're in love with Caitlin. And now you're saying you were in love with Becca. 
at the same capacity? There's there's no way. There's just there's no way. You don't get enough time. He knows that. We all know that. So I thought that was interesting uh, when she said that about Jason. I was like, well, I got questions for Jason then because I find it hard to believe he was in love with Becca. I'm sure he liked her a lot. I'm sure he was very attracted to her. I'm sure he was, if he would have picked, if she would have picked him, he would have proposed and we would have seen where it went with them. But to say he was in love with her, again, it's very hard for me to believe. And that's not just Jason. That's just any couple on this show. You just, how can you be in love with someone that you barely get any time with? That you can't text every night before you go to bed. You can't FaceTime every night before you go to bed. You literally are sharing her with a bunch of other men and you're getting, you know, one one-on-one date, a hometown date, and an overnight date. Like, that's not enough to say, I am in love with this person. I'm I'm sorry. It just isn't. And, man, I'd love to ask Jason that. Jason, come on the podcast, please. She talked about having uh, three run-ins with Sean where they didn't actually, uh, I guess, talk to each other or f- physically see each other, but they were in the same place three different times in the last few months, but nothing uh, really came of it. She talked about how the producers really sexualized Nick to her, which made it really weird. She said one producer, after she would kiss Nick, the producer would come in and wipe her lips and then like lick her lips and be like, oh, I just want to know what it tastes like to make out with Nick. And then she said, they really like put him on a pedestal to me. That was part of their tactic. I was brainwashed. Sure sounds like it. <laughs> I mean, um, the Chris Harrison thing was very interesting because she did talk about how the relationship when, um, you know, she found out that her and Tasha were going to be hosting Katie's season, she started seeing stuff out there that they were going to replace him and, and all that stuff. And she's like, no, I I wanted to let him know that I thought he was irreplaceable, but she was presented with an opportunity. She was going to take it. And then she said she texted him 10 times without him responding, and she felt like he hated her. And um, she didn't even know what their roles were going to be. She just thought there was going to be a mentor. And I remember her saying that. Remember her and Tasha kept saying that when they were giving the preseason like interviews for what their role was, they specifically kept saying like, "Hey, we're not Chris Harrison. We're not the host here. We're just here for Katie and we're going to be her mentors." And then um he just never responded to any of her texts and then she saw him at Sarah and Wells' wedding and she's like, I miss you. And he was like, I've always been here. She's like, no, you haven't. I sent you 10 messages. You never responded. So she said that they have been in touch since, but she definitely says it's different. Um, she definitely thought she was going to get the role when Robert Mills called her, but she thought she was going to get the hosting gig, and they ended up giving it to Jesse Palmer, and they said they needed a more consistent host, which is what I had heard all along. Like They were looking for just – a one-person host to do the show, preferably a male, that was going to be able to do all three. And Caitlin's just way too busy for that. I don't think she would have dumped everything else to be the Bachelor, Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise host. I, I really don't. And I think they knew that. And that's probably why she didn't get the gig. So, um, But a, a very interesting podcast based on everything that I read and the quotes that I read uh, that she gave. The only other thing that she really spoke out about was Mike Fleiss. Because remember, she was all set to do Dancing with the Stars, and Mike Fleiss killed it five, six years ago, whenever it was. 
and said that she should be focusing on her relationship with Sean and not trying to capitalize on the show. And then when she saw him at the finale for Gabby and Rachel season, she basically told him, like, even though he told her apparently he's proud of what she's done, she was like, yeah, but you, I spoke out against you. And, you know, she remembers she tweeted him and called him a sexist piece of shit back in the day. Um, because she stood for what she felt was wrong. He basically killed her chances. And then, you know, I guess had a change of heart five or six years later um, and allowed her to have that opportunity. And um, But she told him to his face, like, yeah, you know, I mean, thanks, but almost like thanks, but no thanks. But, yeah, interesting uh, interview. I didn't listen to it, obviously, but reading all these quotes that I just gave you um, was good. That uh, Thank you, Us Weekly, again, for, for recapping it for me. The other thing that has Bachelor Nation going apeshit right now is the fact that the PGA Tour is in Pebble Beach. They have this tournament every year, and there's a pro-am. And for years, we've always seen like Ben Higgins and Wells get invited to stuff like this. And But Dean and Kalen are there. Rachel is there. Clayton is there. They were all hanging out, and they were on each other's videos. They're making TikToks about it, and everybody seems to think that like Clayton and Rachel are a thing again. Um, I mean, if they were, I think they would announce it. It's just, yes, we have never seen them together in the same room, hanging out, showing any sort of friendship since the rose ceremony from hell. But just because they're in a group together at Pebble Beach for an event doesn't mean they're getting back together and they're going to be a couple. Like, people need to calm down. I don't know why everyone was freaking out about that, but they were. I'm here to tell you that I'm not here to kill anything. I'm just saying, like, look, if they were going to be a couple, uh, we would know about it. This is they're having fun with it. They're I don't even think they're trying to get people to think that they are a couple. They're just there because a bunch of people from Patronation are there and they're all hanging out. It's nothing more than that. Oh, the weather out here in Dallas brutal the last few days and not that we have the worst weather, but it's gotten to a point where we can deal with snow like most places where it snows a lot, people function, people drive on the roads. But out here, it's been ice for the last three days. Uh, the streets are frozen over. So I haven't been out of my house in three days. <laughs> um, it's just, it's really no point to get in your car so you can drive five miles an hour down the street because you go anything more than five or 10 miles an hour and you if you're not careful, are skidding and sliding, even just on a slow stop because there's just no traction on the road. It's supposed to uh, clear up today. We're supposed to get over 32 degrees today, so we'll be above freezing. I think the high today is going to be 38 or 39, and then tomorrow we're at 50. So it'll all turn to slush tomorrow. It'll all turn to – it'll all melt tomorrow, but last two or three days been kind of brutal. The Detroit Pistons played a game at here in Dallas on Monday night. Yeah, Monday night, and they've been stuck in Dallas ever since. They haven't been able to leave because the airport is frozen over. And they are supposed to have a game, was it tonight? Yeah, they were supposed to have a game tonight and have never, as far as I know, still haven't left Dallas, probably going to leave tomorrow. And, um, yeah, it's going to be, like I said, it's supposed to a little bit over freezing tomorrow and then Friday in the 50s, sun's out. And so everything will melt. There's a little bit of snow on the ground in places there, still shade, like the lining of my fence in my backyard still has some snow. But for the most part, it's just the roads are are icy. So 
people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, be careful out there. One thing yesterday uh, from the reader emails that was brought up was the fact that if you saw it, again, I knew I knew this was going to, you know, call. I got a few emails on this today, and I knew this was going to cause some sort of stir. And look, when it comes to spoilers, the bottom line is um, I'm just not going to reference other spoilers. It's pointless. It's, there's no reason for me to... Um, when I know what the spoiler is for this season, I will tell you. For two months, I've told you, I don't know. I know who the final three are. Ariel, Gabby, and Katie. I've been told. I have not been told Ariel's one. I've not been told Gabby one. I've not been told Katie one. I haven't told anything. I've said for two months, I don't know. And when I do, you will know. So when all stuff comes out and... People tell me, well, what about this? And they're saying this. It's like, great, that's what they're saying. That's them. That's not me. I don't concern myself with them. I'm not going to talk about them because that's not me and my information. I deal with my sources. I don't reveal or I don't say anything in regards to what anybody else says is out there. Because, I mean, if my whole point was I need to have it out first, me, 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 me. Well, apparently this has been out here for a couple months that somebody said who the winner is. I haven't heard that. If my whole goal was to get it out there first, wouldn't I have just put it out five seconds later and said, yeah, this is uh, who wins? Yeah, I don't do that because I don't care what anyone else posts. I do it on my terms and when my sources tell me who wins. I think I'm getting closer because I'm, I'm very close to finding out the London thing. I think I might be able to get that this weekend of what happened in London. But uh, in terms of the winner, like I said, I have not said all season, like, I know who it is. I'm just holding it. I've told you from the second they filmed the finale back the week before Thanksgiving, I said, I do not know. I haven't been told yet by any sources who the winner is. And when I do, I'll tell you. So hopefully we get that too. Um, but I think I'm close to at least the London thing. And then, uh, hopefully I can get the, uh, the winner in the coming weeks, man. Did you see the challenge last night? That was a very good start to a final, uh, just a crazy ass final of a hundred hours. That is nuts. I don't remember all the finals off the top of my head, what people had to do, but this has to be the toughest one, right? Just the fact that it's a hundred hours and the amount of different things they have to do. And what did I tell you in regards to um, Anissa? I mean, she's or it looks like that. There's there's just no way they can win. She's already got a bum ankle in the first twenty hours. I don't think that's going to get any better if there's any sort of endurance and you know climbing anywhere. She's screwed. Now the thing that I don't understand: we had ninety minutes last night, and is it just who's in the lead is is winning? Because it doesn't look like, so when, you know, Devin and Tori have pretty much been leading, but when they get to the next stop, I, I, I guess we're, we just haven't been described yet exactly what's going on. Because at the end of, you know, wherever they finished off last night, at the end of that day, when nighttime comes, everyone's going to be back at camp at some point. Isn't getting back to camp first, like, the fact that you lead, 
Because everybody's going to get there at some point. What if Anissa and Jordan show up three hours later after Tori and Devin? But then they just start the next day, and uh, and and Tori and Devin all start. They all start at the same time again with Bananas and Nani. I, they haven't explained to us exactly what's going on in terms of time. I don't even understand. Yeah, Tori and Devin are ahead right now, but it just seems like at the end of the day, when they get to the end of the day, everyone's going to get to that spot at some point. Do you get any sort of lead because you got there first? We don't know yet. But the story of last night was. Horacio and Olivia, and man, Olivia taking that shot on the slingshot where it fired right back in her face and broke her nose, that was brutal. And this is the first season we've ever seen Horacio. The guy has been about as impressive as you can get for a rookie. This team has been the most impressive rookie team I've seen in a while on this show, if not the best rookie team I've ever seen on this show. And I don't know anything about Horacio outside of what I'm seeing on TV, but I really hope that this guy doesn't end up turning into some like MTV douchebag. And he just seems like a really good guy. Just the way he was comforting Olivia after she still wanted to continue with a fucking broken nose. Like, Olivia, you're not going to be able to breathe. Yeah, I mean, we all knew that thing that thing was over. The second Olivia got taken away in an ambulance, you knew TJ was going to tell Horacio, hey, man, it's over. And it sucks for him, but... I mean, what a great guy, the way he was supporting her, the way he was telling her how great she looked, even with a broken nose. Just seems like a really good dude, and I just don't want to find out that he's a total dick behind the scenes or not a good guy or a total player, and he's already hooking up with five or six of the women in the front. Like, I don't need to hear that. Let me just have this good impression of Horacio and take it from there. Because, you know, we, we already know how many other dogs are in this franchise and the way they've treated women in the past years. Like, I don't want to hear it about Horacio. That guy is a stud. I hope he's in every season going forward because not only uh, is he just good TV, he's a damn good competitor and can clearly, clearly win this thing at some point. And I'd be shocked if he never won outside of, you know, suffering a major injury. I'd be shocked if he never won. He is... What a great season he's had, and congrats to him and Olivia. Tough break, uh, but they'll definitely be back. As for Special Forces, last night, again, all respect in the world to them. Two more quit last night, Kenya Moore and Scaramucci, Anthony Anthony Scaramucci, right? And which makes it, only six people left, five athletes, and Hannah Brown, the only non-athlete left. We kind of figured that she was going to do very well on the show, again, by the way she talks about it. Look, I know that seems small to people, but and I know that they want the competitors to say, hey, tune in, watch me, or whatever, but Hannah's been very vocal about this show and what a great time she had. She wouldn't be saying that if she knew she quit. Like, She just wouldn't. I, I, I don't think there's any chance she's quitting. Plus, she's doing really well and killing all the challenges. Again, the two things about Hannah Brown that are very, very funny every week. Number one, she got taken into like the interrogation because the coaches wanted to see exactly where she was at mentally. And, you know, the coaches bring her in, they take the mask off you, and you sit there and you got this bright light on you. And Hannah just, as we know, when she is uncomfortable, she just smiles. And it's it's almost like a a, a, a facial tick. She just can't not smile. Probably from her pageant days. But she's sitting in this room, interrogated. She's in the country of Jordan in a 
you know, a dirt camp <laughs> and she's got these two Navy SEALs just looking at her dead on with not even a close to a cracking a grin on their face. And, you know, she's just got this almost perma smile on her face. It's just funny how they can just stare her down and stare lasers into her eyeballs. And she's kind of just can't not grin. The other thing was she was talking to them during that interrogation about her life and the fact that she was being the bachelorette. And she really started to put a lot of stock into what people thought about her on the Internet. And she's just like, you know, it just gets really frustrating because these people think they know you, uh, you know, from an hour episode each week. I'm like, Hannah, you were on Colton's season. You lasted a pretty long time right before hometowns. You then became the bachelorette. Do you not know the show is two hours every Monday? <laughs> like, I know it was probably a, a little screw up on her end because her mind is probably, you know, oatmeal at this point out there. But yeah, she did say people think they know me from an hour episode each week. And I was like, Hannah, it's two. How do you not know this? Come on. Um, but no, uh, other than that, the fact that she's the only non-athlete left says a lot about her and how she's done this season. And yeah, right now, the only thing that's surprising me, the only in, the only elimination or person who quit that really surprised me was Nastia Lukin because she's an athlete. And everyone else, I you know, I never thought Kenya or Scaramucci or Beverly Mitchell, I never thought they were going to make it through. Kate Goslin, there was no way they were going to make it through. They just, they don't lead lives and they don't have the mentality of an athlete. And I think... Now, Hannah Brown may not be an athlete, but just that competitor in her, having been in pageants her whole life, I knew that she would do really well. And like I said, the way she was talking about the show and hyping it up, I knew that I, I'm. there's no way she quits in the last three or four days there. So that's really it. Uh, maybe I'll get to the Jessica Simpson story tomorrow just because it's really it's got everybody intrigued now. And now everyone's probably digging to find out who she's talking about. But we'll get to that story tomorrow anyway. Thank you very much for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. The Sports Daily is going to be up an hour from now, and then two hours from now, podcast number 324. Is that it? Hold on. Let me look. Yes. Podcast number 324 is with Kate Casey from the Reality Life Podcast. We're going to talk about The Bachelor. We're going to talk about a couple shows, and then we spend the last half hour of the podcast talking about the murders of the four college students in the University of Idaho because Kate on her podcast has had a former FBI agent on and they've done six parts on this and, you know, just some really interesting stuff. I have followed the case on the periphery. There's probably some of you that have followed it like every single day and read all the stuff online. I've been following it from the periphery. I know kind of things here and there, but it's a really good talk for the last 30 minutes of the podcast and what she has learned from this former FBI agent and just everything that goes along with it. And if you're not familiar with the story, it's a fascinating story. And when this thing goes to trial, it'll be something that people follow like they did, I believe, the OJ trial, the Casey Anthony trial. I mean, it, it's going to be big. And it's really struck a, a, a chord with a lot of America. Um, it's an unfortunate story. You feel awful for the families of the four kids that were murdered. But yeah, a lot there to talk about. So that's why we spend the last half hour on the podcast talking about it today. So that'll be up in a couple hours. Again, thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. And we are back tomorrow with yet another daily roundup. So until then, I'll talk to you tomorrow. See you!